We are starting a new series, a short series uh, leading up to Thanksgiving, because let's be honest, you know, tis the season to be planning what you're going to eat um, in a few weeks. And I just want to reiterate, too, what Josh said. Next Sunday is the last Sunday for Beam. I don't see, there's, we do have some food. Thank you so much for those that brought it this Sunday. Next Sunday is it. And so make sure to remember to bring, you can bring it throughout the week, this week uh, as well. Um, but we're going to be talking about stories where Jesus is at the table, all right, where Jesus is at the table with others around him and, and just the, the profoundness of what is going on in these stories. But before we even get to that, I want to read out of Genesis chapter one. Let's go all the way back to the beginning this morning and read about food. Starting in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And then if we skip all the way to Genesis 2, it continues this conversation about food, starting in verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so why do I read this, this before we even begin? Because we need to understand that God's intention from the very beginning of creation was to, for us to eat with him. Right? He created, think about this, he created the world with our appetite, our, our literal appetite in mind. He wanted to give us good food. Right? And so he did. He gave us, it says, what he created. It was very good. All right, so the food that he gave for us, the food that he created for us was really good food. So all you foodies out there, when we get to heaven, well, it's going to be good food, right? But here's the thing. He created this food for us to eat so that we could eat with him. All right, the whole, the whole beginning of creation was for us to dine with him, all right, not apart from him. And so when we talk about food here at Beaches Chapel, which we do, we have to understand that eating together is a very biblical and godly principle. It is not something that we just do because we like to eat, all right? There is real godly principle from the very onset, from the first chapter of the Bible, about the importance of food in our lives. But we see there's, there's this practical sense of eating where we need food, but there's also the very the spiritual side of things. And what we see in Genesis 2, where we stopped, that there's really only two options here of spiritual nourishment. There's the tree of life. There's everything that God gives us when we dine with him, when we sup with him, when we sit at the table with him, and we're in relationship with him. 
And then there's everything else. There's the tree of life. There's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And wouldn't you know it, of the two choices, the first human beings on the planet, they take from the wrong tree. And they ruin this plan that God had to eat with us, to dine with us, to sit at the table and not just have practical food and practical appetite, but that spiritual nourishment as well, where we can sit and, and, and talk with him and he can speak to us. That was the design from the very beginning in the garden to eat with the creator of the universe. How amazing is that? And then what happens? We screw it all up. And it was fractured. That, that meal, that meal that he wanted to have with us for so long was messed up. And so what does he do? Does he say, well, that's it? No, he has a plan. And this morning I want to look at a, at a story, and I'm going to call it this morning, The Uninvited Guest. The uninvited guests. And I believe there are many of us, I would say even all of us, at one time or another, maybe this morning, maybe, maybe earlier in your life, in your walk with the Lord, where you very much felt like an uninvited guest when you approached Jesus' table. When you came to church on a Sunday and it was, I hope no one's reading my mail because I'm not really sure I should even be here. Because of the baggage that we carry in, the baggage that we lay on the table when we sit and try and have a meal with Jesus. And we're afraid that he's going to say, because of that baggage, no, 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 you can't sit at this table. Seats taken. Can't sit here. Right? Nobody? Thank you. All right. Thank you. Somebody. Forrest Gump. Um, but because of all this stuff that we walk into the room with, the things that maybe we are carrying from years ago, we feel like an uninvited guest at Jesus' table. And I want to look at how we then handle that. And I'll, I'll be real honest with you. This morning, you know, our mission statement here at Beaches Chapel is that this would be a home for all to begin and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we mean it. We want people, when they walk in, to feel the comfort of home. But also... Here's the, here's, the, here's the catch to it, that we would grow in Jesus and not be the person who walked in that very first time a year later. Because if, if that is our testimony, if we've been coming here and we're a part of this body and we're a part of this family and we call this place home, but we haven't really changed in a year, either two, two things are at fault. Either the church, myself, and our team are at fault, or you've just been coming and sitting at a distance and not really participating in putting into practice what we're speaking about and singing about every Sunday. See, we want growth. We want to grow here together and not be the same person. And how that happens, the very first step, is all about what we're talking about this morning. And I, I have to say, I'm so grateful because I've been wanting, it was like, Lord, you know, when are we going to do this? It's on my heart. And then, bam, here we are. Like, literally like two weeks later. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Thank you all for bringing your Bibles on Sundays. Let's get back to that. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 36. And it says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Okay, before we go any further, just that one verse. This is a little off topic, but I really feel like I need to say this this morning. I'm going to read that verse again, and then we're going to... One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. We need to be 
inviting Jesus into our home regularly, okay? Parents, especially, invite Jesus into your conversations with your children regularly. And that sounds like a very simple concept, but there's a lot of times where we can go an entire day we say we love Jesus and we want, we want our kids to follow Jesus and we don't say the name Jesus in our homes, not even once. We're not inviting him in. I'll be real honest with y'all. The hardest part of my day as a parent is the end of the day, all right? Because I'm a morning person. I like getting up early and getting my day started that way, which means I am not a night person. I, don't, I, I wind down at night. I, Jessie tries to talk to me and I love her and, and pray for her because that's when she wakes up and I just, I'm not hearing it. It's like, I told you last night. Well, there's your first mistake, all right? <laughs> my, my job at night with the kids is I put our two, our two girls to bed, our older girls, and I don't know what it is about being a little kid. They can be the most calm and relaxed right up until bedtime. And when I say, all right, time for bed, it's like, yeah! all this energy comes from nowhere. Like, oh, no, no, go back tell you were 30 seconds ago. They just get so energized. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's just hurting cats, you know, but cats who have like had 10 cups of coffee. And, and we have the same routine every single night. And every single night, I have to do this, do this. And it just drives me crazy. And, and I'm tired, and they're not. And I'm frustrated, and they're not. <laughs> and I try every single night. The last thing we do, I put them to bed, I tuck them in, I'm trying to be a good dad. I'm good. Remember, I'm a pastor, thank you, Jesus. And, and you know, I, I love my girls, you've, you've given them to me, Lord, and knit them in their mother's womb. And I'm, with everything I am, I'm trying to just stop, take a deep breath, and say, all right, let's pray. But there are nights. When I'll say, Cassie, just pray, because I know it's going to be quick, and I'm like, I'm just tired. I want to go downstairs and fall asleep on the couch. That's not inviting Jesus into the home. It's going to take effort. When your kid isn't feeling good, when you're not feeling good, when your spouse isn't feeling good, when someone you know, pray. Pray with your spouse. Pray with your kids. Let them hear that name, Jesus, come out of your mouth. At dinner time, bless the food. Let, let us always be inviting Jesus into our home because when we do that, y'all, check this out. Expect the unexpected to happen. Expect the unexpected to happen in your very home. I know that there's a lot of us in here that are believing things for our family, that are believing things for ourselves, and yet we keep Jesus at the front door and we don't let him in. Let's let him into our homes. And we see if we invite him in, he's gonna come because a Pharisee invited him in. And Jesus went because an invitation was made. Will you come? Sure. And I believe, and we'll see this later in the story as to why, this Pharisee did not have the intention of a good host to bring Jesus into his home. But we do. When we invite Jesus because you have the authority, Lord, we want you in this place. We want you to reign in this place. We want you to reign over our marriage and over our children and over, our, over this home and every decision we make over our finances. So come in. Come in. And be a part, not just a part, but lead this family. Amen? All right, that's kind of an aside. But when we invite him in, expect the unexpected, y'all. All right, so verse 37, the story goes on. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. 
Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Now here's what's interesting about this woman as she goes and does all this to Jesus. As she's weeping at his feet and pouring this perfume on his feet and wiping his feet with her hair. When she does this, not a word has been spoken to her or from her to Jesus. There's no conversation happening yet. It just says that she sees Jesus. She goes and kneels at his feet and begins to just weep. She begins to cry. And what that tells us is that this is a very broken woman. She's hurting. She's probably very ashamed. And she's at the end of herself, totally and completely broken. Not a word has been said, and all she can do is cry at Jesus' feet. And here's what is so remarkable about this woman. She's broken. She's hurting. More than likely, she's ashamed because she knows exactly what all these men at this table are saying about her, that she's uh, a sinner and she's whatever. But she, here, here's what's so amazing. And listen to me, y'all. Listen. She doesn't let any of those things stop her from approaching the table where Jesus is sitting. She doesn't let it stop her. As a matter of fact, she goes right towards it. She goes right towards Jesus in her brokenness, in her hurting, in her weeping and just crying. She goes right to Jesus. And this is where the story gets really good. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, in other words, he's thinking this. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Wow, astute observation. Mr. Pharisee, right? He's saying if Jesus was who he says he was, he would know that this is a very sinful woman. Well, of course she is. But you know what? So are we. So is the Pharisee, but he doesn't realize it yet. He doesn't understand that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The other thing that you need to understand here about Beaches Chapel is we realize we are all in the same boat. All of us are in the same boat. We need Jesus, okay? It's like when we, when we have the Pharisees approach, I, I think about it like this, and just bear with me here. Okay, I'm having a dunk contest with LeBron James in the Impact Center, all right? And he's going to destroy me in a dunk contest. Spoiler alert, okay? I can't dunk, all right? I've come to terms with it. You can too. My pastor can't dunk, all right? I might barely be able to touch the net, and he's going to slam it home. He beats me in that. But if we have a jumping contest to the moon, the fact that he can jump three or four feet higher than me really doesn't matter, does it? Because neither one of us are even close. We're not even close. It doesn't matter how high he can jump here in the gym. He's not even going to sniff the moon. And nor am I. And we're all in that. Some of us are stronger in some areas. And some of us are stronger in others. But none of us are getting to the moon. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. And this Pharisee looks at this woman and he, he doesn't see it in himself. He only sees her need, and her sin, and her brokenness. And he never bothers to look at himself. And what he's thinking here is why doesn't this guy, why doesn't Jesus do something about this? He needs to stop this because this is wrong. 
And this is interrupting our dinner. I'll go so far to say this is even a little awkward, right? Why doesn't this guy, Jesus, stop what is happening here? He needs to, he does, does he not see what's going on? And let's just put a pin in that thought really quick, because we're going to go back to that in just a few verses. But just think about that as this Pharisee looks at Jesus and looks at this woman. His thought is Jesus needs to stop this, okay? Verse 40. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. <laughs> That's never a good thing, right? <laughs> I got something I want to tell you. Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. So here we see again, there's two people that owe money, 500 pieces versus 50 pieces, yet neither one of them could. So this is just like we were talking about a second ago. We're all in the same boat. It doesn't matter if it's 500 or 50. If you can't pay, you can't pay. But there's two things that I want to take from this that I think are really incredible that we need to understand this morning. In verse 42, when it says, but neither of them could repay him, it says, so he kindly forgave them. Y'all say kindly. 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 There was no bargain. There was no, okay, I'm going to cancel your debt begrudgingly or out of obligation or let's make a deal and let's try and figure out some payment plan where over the course of time, then we'll be okay. It says that he kindly canceled their debt as if it brought him joy to do so. We need to understand that when we come to Jesus, when we kneel at his feet, broken, hurting, ashamed, weeping because of the baggage that we bring to the table, and we say, here it is, Lord, he doesn't go, I guess I'll cancel your debt. Or let's work out a deal. But you know, that's really a lot of times how we approach the table. Jesus, here's my baggage. Can we work something out? Can we figure out a payment plan? I'm going to, here it is, try harder. I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm going to come to church more. And I'm going to set up this plan so that you will forgive and cancel my debt. When he's saying, I want to kindly do that for you. We don't need a payment plan. It's already been paid. It's already been paid in full. And I've already canceled your debt. But we don't understand that. And we try and come up with this payment plan when all Jesus wants to do, y'all, all he wants to do in our lives is kindly forgive us. The second thing, which I think is just insanely amazing and profound. In this story, as Jesus, as the one that they owe the debt to, he's not concerned with how much the debt is He's concerned with who will love him more. You understand that? That is God's concern in our life. He knows there's going to be debt. That's why he died on the cross for us. He knows we're going to mess up. But what his question is, who's going to love me? My goodness, do we ever think about that? Or do we think about it the other way around? I've done this and that. And that's all I'm going to think about. 
when Jesus is going, I just want, I just want you to love me. I just want you to love me. But here's the thing, y'all. It's hard to love a Savior that we don't trust. It's hard to love a Savior that we're not honest with. It's hard to love a Savior that we don't allow to be our Savior. Let's keep reading. Verse 44, Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. All right, pause right there. Okay, let's go back to where we were before. When Simon is thinking about this woman, and he, remember, and he says, like, if, if Jesus were this prophet, he would do something, right? He would stop this. And in his mind, he's saying, Jesus needs to do something about it. He needs to see what she's doing. And here's what I love about Jesus. He says, Simon, look at this woman. Jesus actually turns it, he turns it on to Simon. Simon's saying, Jesus, you need to look at her. And he's saying, no, no, you need to look at her. I see her. I know exactly what she's doing. You need to look at her. You need to see what she's doing. This broken, hurting, weeping sinner of a woman and follow her example, Pharisee. It says, when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first come in, came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and here is y'all, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Here's the thing about this woman. She doesn't un just understand her plight. She doesn't just understand that she's in desperate need of a savior, but she also understands that Jesus is her savior and he's sitting at this table in her city. And so she's going to go and it doesn't matter who is sitting around this table with Jesus. If it's a bunch of pharisaical men who are going to judge her and all the people that are watching this dinner as well. She knows that she needs a savior and more so that Jesus is that savior. And so she goes and she pours herself onto his feet. And it doesn't matter who's looking. It doesn't matter what they're thinking. She needs a savior. And if there is any hurdle or confusion or lie that America has to understand, it's that we need a savior. And there are so many people in this country, especially because we are a wealthy country that don't think that they need a savior. I was watching, uh, Jesse and I were watching Moneyball last night. Um, again, pray for her, right? Um, obsessed. I've been obsessing with playoff baseball for like three weeks. I'm like, Hey, how about we watch a movie about baseball? Um, but there's this like really quick passing scene. And, and if you're not really watching it too close, you might not even catch it. But, um, Brad Pitt's character, he's the GM of this team, and the, he signs this, this player who no one else would have signed. And the guy's just thanking him, saying, thank you for giving me a chance. No one's ever given me a chance like this. And then, and then the guy says, I'm going to pray for your family. And Brad Pitt's character just goes, oh, yeah, and just kind of keeps walking. And, and, and Jesse just looks at me and she's like, well, that's one way to respond to that. You know? And that, though, is how many people in this country and in this world respond to Jesus. 
Like, I'm going to pray for you. You want to come to church? Yeah, okay. And they just keep walking. But you know, here's the sad part. There's a lot of people in the church that react that same way. That are way more like the Pharisee than they are the woman. I'm going to sit at the table with you, Jesus. But I'm not going to be really desperate for you. I'm going to converse with you. And I'm going to, quote unquote, entertain you as Jesus. But I'm never actually going to fall at your feet and wipe your feet with my hair. I'm not going to be my whole self in front of you and care. I'm going to, I'm going to care more about what other people think of me than what you do. And, and though I am broken and though I am hurting and though I do carry shame for, with all this baggage that I bring to the table, I'm just going to keep it for myself. And I'm never going to fully engage in you. Even though I'm right here at the table. Even though I come to church every Sunday morning. Even though maybe even these songs are familiar. Whatever it might be. We can never get over that hump of understanding that Jesus is our Savior and He's it. And until we are fully vulnerable with Him. And until we fully trust Him with all of our baggage. Our sins won't be forgiven. And listen, this... This topic of forgiveness and repentance is something I'm just going to tell y'all now. I've already preached on a few times since, since I started preaching, and you're going to hear it regularly. Because here's why. We need it. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded of, of, of who we are in all of this. And that repentance and going to Jesus with our baggage, it's a beautiful thing. It is a sweet thing. And that is how, that is how we Love him more. If you go back to verse 47, Jesus says, I tell you her sins, and they are many. Jesus isn't fooled here. He's not under some preconceived notion that this woman's actually got it all together. Right? He understands that this woman that is at his feet has many sins. But he says, they have been forgiven, comma, so she has shown me much love. It's in the forgiveness of her sins that births her love for Jesus, not the other way around. She approaches him. She's forgiven. That brokenness is gone. That guilt and that shame is gone. And all she can credit to is Jesus. And so what does she do? She loves him. He set her free, knowing exactly who she was. Was, not is. She loves him. I'll just ask you a question and, and be honest with yourself this morning. Have you been hitting a brick wall? You're like, why, why can't I? Why can't I grow? It's Jesus. Like, I, isn't that, are you being vulnerable with him? Are you allowing him in to be your true savior? Verse 49 says, The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? <laughs> Jesus doesn't even entertain that question. Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Peace. Not exactly something that she had coming into this dinner, I would imagine, right? She came in crying. Uncontrollably sobbing. She leaves with peace. Isn't that what we want? I mean, isn't that what we want in life? We just want peace. We want, we want peace in, 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 our, in our workplace. We want peace in our marriage. We want peace with our family and our kids. We want peace. 
She got it. She got it. Because she knelt at the feet of her Savior. It didn't matter what anyone else was thinking. In her brokenness, she didn't wait to get her act together. She let Jesus do that. Because she knew who he was. She knew he could be trusted. 1 John 1, verses 8 through 10 said, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. His word is not in us. I would imagine if I went around to every single person in here and just individually asked, hey, do you, you know, are you a you sin? You have sin in your life? I don't think anyone in here would say, no, not me. I think we would all admit, like, yes, I, I sin. I even think some people that don't believe in Jesus would say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think anyone would say, I don't do any wrong. Which then my question would be, well, what's your standard of right and wrong if you don't believe in Forget it. Um, But we, we admit that we have sin. But then we don't really do anything about it. We just kind of let it linger. And we try all these other things. And at all costs, we avoid the one thing that Jesus wants of us. To come to him so that he can kindly forgive us. And then, and then, we love him more. And then we have that peace. The fruit of our repentance is incredible. It's loving Jesus more. It's getting rid of all the guilt and shame. It's having peace. So here's the question I got to ask. What are we waiting for? Is it our pride? Is it embarrassment? Is it shame? Do any of those things matter, really? In the light of eternity, in, in the light of right this second? We're going to let those things stop us from having peace in our life and growing closer to Jesus? I really hope not. I really hope not. Have the band come back up as we close this morning. And I want to go back to Luke chapter 7 really quick in that story, and I, I touched on it briefly. But let's be honest, if we're sitting at the table in that moment and this woman comes up, we're probably thinking, at least I would be like, this is kind of awkward. It's, it's a little weird. This woman, this sinner, this woman of ill repute is like, she wasn't invited. We don't know her. Like she just kind of barged through and now she's like, she's loud, right? I mean, I doubt it was a soft little whimper. Sure it was a, I'm sure she was creating a scene that most of us would probably consider very awkward. The one person, that one person who was her audience did not consider it awkward at all. Jesus allows it to happen. He wants it to happen. And so here's our example. Here's our example. Will we follow it? Or we, will we allow the stupid, ridiculous lies of the enemy stop us from loving Jesus more 
and getting that peace that only he can give. She wasn't concerned with anything except Jesus in that moment. I pray that we would be the same. And thank you, Jesus, that Beaches Chapel is a church where I can say from up here, absolutely 100% truthfully, that nobody in here cares one iota if you come up to the altar and need to spend some time with Jesus. I would say the opposite, that we pray, we love, and, and listen, if the truth be told, I mean, I don't know how many people are in here right now, how many people watching online, we all need to come up here. Not one of us is the exception. And I want to allow us, wherever you're at, maybe it's hard for you to come up here and kneel if you just need to do it at your seat, but I know there's many of us that as we talk about this, this eating with Jesus, that was the original intent from the very beginning of creation, that we're having trouble fellowshipping with him because of the baggage that we're bringing to the table and we haven't given it to him. And maybe you did a couple months ago, maybe you did a few weeks ago, but something new has happened. And there it is again, that brokenness, that shame, that hurt. And if you notice here in this story, the woman still, at least, what's chronicled we don't know if she's ever actually said anything all she does is she just sits at Jesus's feet and she cries and she anoints his feet with his perfume and with her tears and Jesus is able to forgive her because he knows her heart and there are many times when we approach Jesus and we kneel and we say God I don't have the words thank you Jesus that he can read our minds and he knows our hearts and so let's stand this morning and I just want to encourage you, for those of us in here that just need to get right with the Lord, and listen, I'll even open it up to more than that. You need a word from the Lord. You just need to be with your Savior because you need Him. And we all need Him. We're going to worship, and it's going to be open. Up here, your, your aisles open, your seat, whatever it takes. Whatever, don't. Don't let this moment pass. If you're watching at home, don't let this moment pass. Get on your living room floor if you have to, whatever. But just know that when we approach Jesus with our sin or whatever else, he kindly forgives us and he cancels our debt because he already did so on the cross. And I want to say this as well. If there's those of us, anyone in here, in this room or watching online, and you haven't received Jesus as your savior, you haven't fully given him all, and you, you this, is, this is your moment to just give it all to Jesus. Say, I believe. Be my savior. I'm tired of trying to do it myself. I'm tired of walking in guilt and shame. I'm tired of all that it comes with. Be my savior. You can do that in your own words, in your own, in your own language, whatever, in your own heart. Take this moment to receive Jesus and let him cancel your debts forever. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, that you are an approachable God. That when Jesus hung on the cross and he breathed his last breath and that curtain was torn in the temple, it was done. And you said, come on in. Come in. I'm sitting at the table and there's a seat for you. Father, I pray right now for courage. I pray right now for trust. 
to increase, Lord. And for those of us in here that just need to give it to you, whatever it is, whatever our mess is, whatever stresses or worries or sin, God, that we've been carrying around, that we would lay it at your feet. And in Jesus' name, we would leave it there. We would understand, Lord, that you are waiting to kindly forgive us. And that in doing so, Lord, we're going to love you more. We're going to receive that peace. And we're going to return. God, we're going to return to the original intent of it all. And that's to be with you, to dine with you, and to be in relationship with you, to sit at your table, knowing that we belong there, that it wasn't an accident. God, we give you this time. And I just, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move and that you would break chains and that you would set people free. And God, whatever bondage that we walked in with, that we would leave it here and that we would be lighter and secure in you as we leave this place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.